Hello and welcome back to Major League Talk Giants edition. Today is Monday, April 24th, 2023. My name is Henry and this is episode eight. We're going to be reviewing the series against the New York Mets. However, before we get into that, I do have to make a correction to the manner in which I was reading statistics in the previous series recap episodes. Basically, what I'm referring to is uh, the way that I was reading the strike zone location on the pitcher reports from Baseball Savant. I was reading them as if I was looking at the strike zone from the perspective of the camera and from the pitcher. However, the intention is to read it from the perspective of the batter. So basically just reverse everything I said before. For example, if I said that someone would pitch in and down to a righty, what it really was meant to be read as is down and out. I apologize for this mistake. Uh, It's basically just blindly reading statistics, uh, which is not what this show is really meant to be. Um, I don't know why I waited this long and to really figure that out for myself, but when I was reading some of the reports last week, I started noticing that some of what I was saying wasn't making sense to me in real time. So thank you for being with me as I make some of these mistakes early on and learn from them. So let's go ahead and get into the recap of this series. we got four games to go through instead of three. So let's see how quickly we can get this done, shall we? This is our seventh series of the year our second home stint and we opened up against the new york mets this is not any type of uh lineup that you want to really kind of just brush off this is a good team they are going to be contenders late into the season could i sing i would start it off for them in game one uh even though we looked as if we tried to mount a small comeback in the fifth our offense wouldn't strike again we ended up losing nine runs to four in game two a friday night crowd would witness the giants get shut out for the first time at home this season even with Desclafani on the mound, the Giants couldn't muster up any offense. Jelly gave up three runs in the ninth, and that made the hole even deeper, so we'd lose seven runs to none. In our third game, Webb would finally get his first win and a quality start. And a beautiful Saturday afternoon game saw the Giants win seven runs to four. In the fourth and final game, this one became a nail-biter. and went back and forth throughout the game. We would finally win five to four after getting a an RBI off Yastrzemski, an RBI double, which would score Peterson. Starters for each game were Senga versus Manaya, Lucchesi versus De Sclafani, Peterson versus Webb, and for that final game, it would be McGill versus Ross Stripling. So, let's go game by game. Game one, like I said, our starter on the mound was Manaya, who had a rough and wild outing. And wild is really the appropriate word to use there. Even halfway through about the second or third inning, I heard Krukow describe him as a wild pitcher. After going three innings without giving up any runs and only walking two, Manaya would have a meltdown in the fourth. In this order, he would hit a batter, give up a home run, get a fly out, hit another batter, give up another home run, walk a batter, get a strikeout, and then give up an RBI double. So for anybody that's counting, that's eight batters face, two outs, five runs, three hits. He would mercifully be pulled and replaced with Tristan Beck, who would pitch the remainder of the game. Manaya's final line was three and two-thirds innings pitched, four hits, five earned runs, three walks, three strikeouts, and two hit-by-pitches. Our batting lineup was as follows. We had Wade Jr. in left, Estrada at second, Conforto DHing, Davis at third, Yastrzemski in right, Flores at first, Crawford at short, Sable doing the catching, and Wisely in center. Wade Jr. ended up going one for four with a walk uh, run, and that was off of a home run. Estrada would go one for three. Uh, He would also earn a walk and be scored. Conforto went 0 for three with a strikeout, uh, but he did earn a walk, and that would uh, end up allowing him to be scored. Davis went one for four with a strikeout. Yastrzemski went three for four uh, with a home run. Excuse me, let me double check that. I did not. Yastrzemski singled the center and Estrada scored. So that is not a home run. I apologize for that. He does have an RBI though. Flores would go 0 for 4. Uh, Crawford would go 0 for 3 uh, with a walk. Sable 1 for 4 with two strikeouts uh, and a home run, solo home run. And then Wisely would go 0 for 4 with a strikeout. 
So throughout this game, uh, our headers were seven for 33 and grand total of five strikeouts. So this was our lowest strikeout game, uh, four walks, uh, four total runs and three home runs, excuse me, two home runs in this one. Um, like I said, Tristan Beck was our only reliever in this game, and this was his big league debut. Uh, he would end up giving up four runs on nine hits. Uh, it wasn't a terrible debut, honestly. To start, he got the final out of the disastrous fourth on the first batter he faced and had a one, two, three, fifth inning. His first run he gave up was on a solo run, home run from McNeil. Uh, in the seventh, he'd give up three runs total, though. Um, an Alonzo two RBI double, and then a McNeil RBI single. Uh, his final line for his debut was five and one third innings pitched, nine hits, four runs, one walk, five strikeouts, and a home run. He had a decent debut in reality and managed to help save the bullpen, who truly needed the rest. We would end up leaving six on base. We went one for five with runners in scoring position. Crawford would ground into a double play, and we turned two double plays. He has to get a two out RBI and Estrada would steal a base. Now, to kind of look a little bit deeper into this one, let's go to the box score um, real quick. Uh, yeah, like I said, Wade Jr. and Sable each got home runs in this game. Um, as far as the pitches, uh, Minaya would have seven first-pitch strikes to the 19 batters that he faced, whereas Beck would have 17 first-pitch strikes to 25 batters. Uh and then, yeah, I mean, I would get 13 called strikes to nine swinging. Beck would get 22 called strikes to 10 swinging. Um, and like I said, that that relief for Beck to come in and save that bullpen is more valuable uh, than I think some of us would want to give credit for. Uh, and Manaya just had a a rough rough go of it but that fourth inning was hard to watch uh, so let's go over the pitcher reports this time i'll read them correctly Manaya ended up throwing 88 pitches total in those three and uh, two-thirds so that'd be 35 sinkers 32 sliders and 21 change-ups uh his change-ups averaging 84 and a half his sinkers 93 and a half and then his sliders, 84. Now, the movement on these, that slider wasn't really doing too much side-to-side -side movement. It was dropping a lot. Uh, his sinkers were not dropping that much, but they were really coming into a right-handed, or excuse me, coming into a left-handed batter. And uh, his change-ups were dropping more than his sinkers, but were moving over just as much as those sinkers coming into that. Uh, lefty batter away from a righty. Um, by the way, if anybody wants me to actually read the numbers on some of these movements, the actual inches, just mention that in any comments or anything, I'll start doing that too. Release point, relatively the same. He's got a pretty high release point. Uh, looks like those change-ups, though, are a little bit higher at around six feet. Um, the strike zone uh, really kind of splashes this way. Uh, so what I mean by that is it's coming, going from out and up from a righty to down and in on a righty. See, so I read that right that time. 37 pitches in the strike zone, 51 out of the zone. And quite a few of these are pretty, pretty wild. Batters would swing at 37 of his pitches and take 51. It looks like a relatively even distribution between uh, all three pitches on taking and swinging. He would get 37 balls. That's how many balls he threw. 37 to 22 strikes and 29 contact. So 13 called strikes, nine swinging strikes, 18 foul tips, seven hits resulting in outs, and four base hits. Seven hard hits. Uh, two of those were ground balls. Three of them were line drives and two flies. So there's Manaya for you. Hopefully he shakes off whatever bug he had and has a better outing next time. Tristan Beck would end up throwing 81 pitches in those final five and one-third innings. 
33 four seam fastballs, 18 sliders, 18 sweepers, 10 curves, and two changeups. So five five different pitches that he's got. Uh, curveball, 78.9. Four seam fastball coming in at 95. Slider, 86.8. Sweeper, 82.8. Um, four seam kind of comes in on you a little bit uh, if you're a righty. Not much drop, uh, which is what you'd expect there. Uh, the changeup comes in a little bit more uh, on a righty and drops about another 12 inches from where that four seam would normally come in. That curveball is going away from you if you're a righty and dropping a lot. Uh, the slider and the sweeper have about the same amount of drop. The sweeper will come out more from you if you're a righty than the slider will. Um, all relatively same release point at almost six feet for Tristan Beck. Uh, it doesn't look like he favors really one side or the other as far as his strike zone. It's kind of up and middle to a little down and away from a righty. By the way, the reason I say from a righty is I'm, I'm right-handed, so a lot of my perspective is going to be uh, from a right-hander. Um, he threw 40 pitches in the zone. Threw 41 pitches out of the strike zone. Uh, batters would swing at 34 of his pitches and take 47. Uh, they would take both of his changeups. Everything else looks to be about a, an even distribution between the other four pitches. He threw 24 balls, 32 total strikes, 22 of which were called, 10 of which were swung on. 25 balls were made. Uh, 25 of his pitches resulted in contact, six uh, foul tips, 10 hits for outs, and nine base hits. He would get 11 hard hits. Uh, looks like five of which were ground balls, two of which were three were line drives, and four of which were fly balls. So major league debut, you expect a lineup like the Mets to be able to hit him, and they did, but he also held them uh, – pretty well i would say for somebody making a major league debut against um a lineup like the mets this is not <laughs> the easiest lineup to get through and like i said only four earned runs on nine hits um honestly if if Manaya had not had that blow up and he had managed to get through innings unscathed maybe only giving up one run this might not have been that big a deal. Maybe Beck would have only been in long enough to give up one or two hit uh, runs instead of four, but we'll never know. We just have to deal with what is instead of speculate on what could have been. I'll leave the speculation to people who are paid way more uh, than I ever will be. Um, as far as our home plane up, it was a man named Rob Drake. I like the name Drake. Uh, says his overall accuracy is at around 90%. Uh, it's saying called 154 of 172 taken pitches correctly. Overall consistency, 92%. Uh, it says his overall favor was plus point or plus 0.28 runs for the Mets. Uh, impactful missed calls. First one in the top of the seventh, Beck to Vogelbach. No outs, runner on second. A one-two count, a strike is called a ball. Uh, and I'm looking at where the location is. It's it's right there on the edge. Um, Vogelbach. This strength zone I'm reading as you're looking at it from the pitcher's perspective. Um, and if it is, then it'd be easy to see how that one could have been missed. Vogelbach's a lefty. This is inside, and the ball is just barely catching that strike zone down and in. Um, bottom of the eighth, Smith to Flores. No outs, runner on first, 3-0 count. A ball is called a strike, and this one's just way, way outside. Well, I mean, it's way outside the strike zone. It's pretty obvious if you're looking at it. Top of the first, Manaya to Canna. Uh, no outs, runner on first, 1-0 count. A ball is called a strike. So, uh, called ball accuracy, he's at 94%. Six of 109 called balls were true strikes, and his called strike accuracy was 81%. 12 of 63 called strikes were true balls. And that kind of gets me into, like, 
I've heard a lot of people on their takes on robo umps and whatnot, and I definitely don't want robo umps to be calling the whole game, but I do think that it would be valuable to be able to review some egregious missed calls like earlier in the season that called strike three on Yastrzemski that was very clearly to God and country a ball. Um, I, I think that robo umps would be useful in replay scenarios you know, set a limit on how many replays you can use for challenging balls and strikes, you know, don't use it every time, but, you know, maybe four, three or four throughout an entire game. I mean, how many times are you watching the game at home and you see a pitch called the wrong way and it's just way too obvious and it's an impactful play. I think, I think maybe three would be good throughout a game, but let's move on to the next game. Uh, this one was even rougher. Uh, game two was Dave Scalfani on the mound. He was one out away from having a quality start. Uh, pretty much there was this dribbler down the line, um, and I think it was McNeil. And it didn't go down the line. I'm sorry, it wasn't a dribbler. It came off a home plate. It was McNeil going down to first, and I think Bart went to throw the – the ball to first and hit McNeil on the back and the ball went away. And unfortunately the, I believe it would be Alonzo who had come up and hit a two run home run after that. Let me get that play by play real quick before we move on from day Scafani. The very next pitch, a slider, kind of middle, middle. Mm. Mm. Sucks. In the end, Dave finally gave up four earned runs, but received no help from the offense. They couldn't muster anything. His final line was five innings pitch, seven hits, four runs, two walks, five strikeouts, and one home run. Our lineup was Estrada at short, Flores at first, Ruff DHing, Davis at third, VR at second, Yaz at right, uh, Bart doing the catching, Ramos in left, and Wisely in center. Estrada went one for four with a strikeout. Flores went one for four. Ruff was one for three with a walk. Davis was 0 for four with two strikeouts. VR was 0 for two with two strikeouts and a walk. Yaz was 0 for three with two, uh, two strikeouts. Bart was one for three. Uh, Ramos, 0 for three with three strikeouts. Wisely, one for three with two strikeouts. That puts our total at five for 29 and 12 strikeouts and only one walk. It was a rough game for the batters. And honestly, it was a little surprising, but you had to tip your cap because this was the Lucchesi start. And that man was coming off having gone almost two full years without pitching. He was returning from Tommy John and... I think his final line was like nine strikeouts. Uh, and you just got to gotta tip your cap to that. Um, yeah, seven innings pitched, four hits, nine strikeouts. Anybody that misses almost two full years and is coming back from Tommy John surgery, your first start back, tip your cap to him. We move on, right? Um, for our pitchers, Relieving Dave Sclafani would be Taylor Rogers. He'd come on for a scoreless sixth inning, uh, two ground outs to short and ground out to third for a one, two, three inning. So no runs, hits, walks, strikeouts. Uh, Jelly would come on and keep the seventh, uh, keep the seventh and eighth innings scoreless, but would dig our hole even deeper in the ninth and the seventh Jelly would get two strikeouts, give up a single and then earn another strikeout. And the eighth, he'd get a fly out line out and another strikeout in the ninth. He'd get, uh, get two ground outs, but then the mistakes would start happening. And two singles followed by a hit by pitch would load the bases. Then three more singles would follow, the first of which was a two RBI single, then a one RBI single. The last simply loaded the bases. Final out for Jelly was a pop out. His final line was three innings pitched, six hits, three runs, no walks, and four strikeouts. 
We left four on basement, 0 for 1 with runners in scoring position. Flores and Davis would run out into double plays. Flores would do it twice. And Bart earned an error. Um, yeah, not, not a hot offensive game for us whatsoever. Uh, we only mustered five total hits. Um, Dave Scalfani would get 16 first pitch strikes to 24 batters faced. Taylor Rogers one to three and Jelly nine to sixteen. Um, Dave Scalfani's pitching report: eighty pitches were thrown, uh, forty-two sliders, fifteen each of the sinker and fourteen fastball, six changeups, and two knuckle curves. As for his speeds, eighty-seven point eight on the changeup. 93 and a half on that four seamer, 93.9 on the sinker, 87 and a half on the slider. As far as the movement, the slider, not that much uh, side to side movement, just some drop. Um, about six inches, maybe nine inches the most on some of those sliders uh, on the movement out from a righty. Uh, the knuckle curve had a lot of drop, six inches of movement out from a righty um, from that center line. And then for his changeups, four seamers and knuckle curves, they were coming in quite a bit to a righty from that center line. Uh, the changeup had the most drop, obviously. Uh, relatively same release point for all of those. That strike zone kind of does this almost like a V shape. It's a, a U shape type thing. Um, from up and out from a righty to down and out to a righty. 43 pitches were in the strike zone to 37 out of the zone. Batters would swing at 35 and take 45. Um, they would take more of the sliders, or excuse me, swing at more of the sliders. Um, everything also about the same distribution. 27 balls to 26 strikes and 27 pitches were made contact with. Uh, of those strikes, 18 were called and eight were swinging. He'd get 10 foul tips, 10 hits for outs, and seven base hits, 10 hard hit balls, um, four grounders, five line drives, and a fly. Uh, coming out was Taylor, eight pitches total. Four sinkers, four sweepers. Uh, the sinkers are 93, and the sweepers, 78.8. The sinkers stayed up and would uh, go away from a righty. The sweepers would come down and in to a righty. Uh, about the same release point. Like I said, looks like one pitch went way up away from a righty, and then the rest would kind of come about center and then go down and into a righty. Uh, he threw four pitches in the zone, four out of the zone, and one is so far out of the zone. It's not even on this uh, graphic. It is it is pretty far off. Um, batters would swing at all four of the pitches that were in the zone and take the four that were very obviously not in the zone. And it's an even distribution of two sinkers and two sweepers sing, uh, swinging and taking. So four balls, one foul tip, and three hits for outs. And only one hard hit, and it was a ground ball. Jelly, uh, like I said, he would finish the game. 51 pitches, uh, 25 sinkers, 26 knuckle curves. Those knuckle curves averaged 86. The sinkers, 95.2. Knuckle curves, not a lot of side-to-side -side movement, just a lot of downward drop. Um, uh, it's about mid-range with what they've got on here as far as their max drop. Uh, and then the sinker coming in a lot to a righty, not too much drop. And of course, with him being as tall as he is, his release point is over six feet. Um, and then his pitches would come up and in on a righty to down and out. And a lot of those down and outs are the knuckle curves. So even though from the release point, it was really a lot of drop and not too much actual uh, movement side to side. I guess that release point sometimes would be 
a little to the left or to the right, uh, but mainly coming away from a righty. Uh, 26 pitches in the strike zone, 25 pitches out of the zone. Batters would swing at 23 and take 28. About an even distribution of each pitch there for each one of those. He threw 16 balls and 19 strikes. 11 of those strikes were called. Eight were swung on. Uh, they only swung uh, on one sinker for a strike, and they would um, he would only get one knuckle curve called a strike. So 10 sinkers for called strikes and seven knuckle curves for swinging strikes. Uh, five foul tips, five hits for outs, six base hits, seven hard hits, uh, three of which were ground balls and four of which were line drives. And then the ump behind the mound, or excuse me, the ump behind the dish, Bill Miller, uh, overall accuracy, 94%. He's uh, called 133 of 141 taking pitches correctly. Overall consistency, 94%. Uh, his overall favor was plus 0.17 runs for the Mets. The impactful missed calls. Um, bottom of the fourth, Lucchesi to Davis, one out, bases empty, 2-2 two, two count. A ball is called a strike. Uh, top of the seventh, Jelly to Alonzo, two outs, runner on first, 0-2 oh, count. Ball is called a strike. Bottom of the third, Lucchesi to Wisely, no outs, bases empty, 1-1 one, one count. Ball is called a strike. So all the impactful missed calls were balls called strikes. Interesting there. Uh, called ball accuracy, it says he was 100%. None of the 84 called balls were true strikes. And called strike accuracy, 86%. Eight of the 57 called strikes were true balls. So pretty interesting there. But let's move on from this shutout loss. Uh, no one likes to reminisce on those too much, but it'll be valuable for the team to examine how we were taken advantage of by a man coming off of Tommy John. Um, game three. Webb would be starting. And like I said, he'd finally look like he has returned to form. He earned a win and gave a quality start. And that's not to say that in the other four games, he didn't look good with his pitches. He was just making mistakes to the wrong batters. Uh, Webb would go seven full innings for the first time this season on 98 pitches. He would only give up five hits and two runs, one of which was a home run, uh, walked one and struck out eight. Um, our lineup for this game, Estrada second, rough DHing, Conforto and Wright, Flores first, VR at third, Crawford at short, Bart catching, Ramos in center field, and then he'd be replaced with Wisely, and then Wade Jr. in left. Estrada would go two for four with a strikeout and two runs. Ruff would go one for four with two strikeouts and one RBI. Conforto would go one for four with a strikeout, uh, an RBI, and a run. Flores would go one for three with a walk. Uh, home run and would also be scored again after that home run or other than that home run VR uh, went 0 for 2 with a walk and an RBI uh, Crawford was 1 for 4 with 2 strikeouts a home run and 3 RBIs nice 2 run home run in the first 3 run home run in the first Bart was 0 for 3 with a strikeout uh, Ramos was one for two with a strikeout and a run. And Wisely was 0 for two. Uh, Wade Jr. was 0 for three with three strikeouts and a walk. Rough uh, rough day there for Wade Jr. Uh, that's a total of seven for 31 for all of our batters with 11 strikeouts, uh, three walks. We did score seven times, so that's nice. Um, as far as our pitching staff, Alexander would come out and pitch the eighth. Uh, he'd give up three hits and one earned run. His inning was a little sloppy. He did earn an error on a bad throw to first. The ball kind of hopped a little high and awkward for Flores to dig it out. Uh, he'd get a ground out of uh, fielder's choice and then a fly out after the RBI single and another ground out fielder's choice in the inning. Uh, Duvall would come on and close out the game. 
he'd give up two hits in one run. Um, he'd get a ground out, give up a single, get a strikeout, an RBI single would follow the runner on first had moved over to second on fielders indifference. And I'll be honest, um, my wife and I were driving home uh, when she was kind of keeping me up to date with this game. And she said, fielders indifference. And at first I thought she said fielders interference. And I thought it was going to be another catcher's interference, but um, no, I, I had to learn that fielders indifference is really a thing. And all that means is that someone took second and the fielders didn't even make an attempt. So it doesn't count as a steal. Hey, uh, then I ground out would end the game. We left five on base, went three for nine with runners in scoring position. Crawford and Ruff each got a two-out RBI, so that's cool. Uh, Crawford and Flores hit home runs. You love to see that. Uh, VR would get caught stealing, and Estrada would successfully steal a base. Alexander would earn our only error. We didn't ground in any double plays. We didn't turn any. And by the way, Crawford's three-run home run was splash hit number 99. You love to see that. Let's see when the next splash hit is. And I got to tell you, splash hit 100 better come in a game that we're winning. That's all I got to say about that. All right, let's go ahead and get into the pitching reports. Let's look at Webb's. This one is going to be all kinds of sexy. Uh, Webb threw 98 pitches, like I said, 50 sinkers, 23 sliders, 20 changeups, and five four seamers. Now, the changeup, 87.2. The four seamers were 93, the sinkers 92.6, and those sliders 84. Now the movement on these pitches, nothing really stays center line, and I'm guessing the center line is supposed to be with the reference to his release point. Um, and the slider would drop and go away from the righties. Uh, about 6 to 12 inches is where it's showing there as far as the movement sideways. Uh, his four-seamers, pretty much like a four-seamer should, doesn't have a lot of drop, does come in about six to, it's more like about nine inches to a righty. Uh, and then those sinkers have more, a little bit more drop, a lot more um, movement toward a right-handed batter. And those change-ups, uh, the most drop that he's got, um, but as far as their sideways motion they're coming into a righty but they average about the same amount of inward motion inward movement to a righty that is uh four seamers do which makes sense uh release point about the same as far as the spray pattern across the strike zone it's kind of starting up and in to a righty to down and out from a righty uh, he threw 49 pitches in the strike zone, 49 out of the strike zone. That Look at that. That's 50-50 there. That's pretty cool. Uh, batters would swing at 38 of his pitches and take 60. Uh, they took all of his four-seamers. Uh, and, yeah, looking at that, none of his four-seamers were anywhere near the strike zone. So that makes sense. Um. And then uh, they would take more of the sliders than they would swing at. 35 balls, all, all of those uh, four-seamers were balls. 32 strikes, 25 of which were called, seven of which were swinging strikes. 30 of his pitches uh, were for contact, 15 foul tips, 11 hits for outs, and only five base hits. Six hard hits, four of which were grounders, two of which were fly balls. Mm. Mm. Love to see that. Alexander would come in 14 pitches. They were all sinkers, which means they all averaged about 93.6. Going away from righties. Relatively same release point. Now, while that movement says it's supposed to be away from righties, uh, he was actually hitting the zone pretty well. So like I said, I think that movement may be from the release point relative to that release point. Um, not too much in or out as far as the actual uh, placement. Some did miss the strike zone, but not by an excessive amount. Five pitches in the zone, nine pitches out of the zone, 
batters would swing at nine of them and take five. Uh, five balls, three foul tips, uh, three hits for outs, and three base hits. Only two hard hits, and they were grounders. And then you get Duvall coming in. He throws 23 pitches for his inning. 11 sinkers, six cutters, six sliders. Uh, those cutters, 99.6. Sinkers, 97.3. The sliders, 88.3. Uh, those sliders doesn't seem to be a lot of uh, lateral movement. A lot of drop, though. Sinkers, pretty decent amount of drop. The movement looks more like it's coming into, or at least it should be coming into a righty. And that cutter... Not much drop, um, just a little bit of inside motion, uh, movement to a righty. Um, but you do have a couple of balls that would miss low and out from a righty, and one cutter would uh, miss middle and into a righty, and then up and middle. So 16 pitches in the zone, uh, seven pitches out of the zone. Batters would swing at 10 of his pitches and take 13. They would only swing at one of his cutters. So six balls, eight strikes, seven called, one swinging, nine pitches for contact, five foul tips, two hits for outs, and two base hits. Only two hard hits, one ground ball, one line drive. And our ump behind home plate, Chad Whitson, is his name overall accuracy of 95% overall consistency of 95% overall favor plus 0.27 runs for the giants impactful missed calls. This one looks like another one where all the impactful missed calls were balls called strikes uh, top of the second web to Alonzo, no outspaces empty a two, one count balls called strike top of the second web to Beatty uh, two outs runner on second. Two one count ball is called a strike, and then bottom of the fifth, Peterson and Bart, two outs, bases empty, three one count ball is called a strike. So his called ball accuracy was ninety nine percent. One of one hundred and one called balls are true strikes, and his called strike accuracy was eighty seven percent. Seven of fifty four called strikes were true balls. So another game where the top three impactful missed calls were balls called strikes. So that's that's relatively interesting. So yeah, this was nice to get that win against the uh, the Mets. Like I said, this was going to be a, a pretty hard uh, stretch coming up here. I think I did say in the last episode that a realistic and a reasonable expectation would be going 500 through the Mets, Cardinals, and Padres. Um, ended up winning seven to four in that third game on Saturday, and then we move into Sunday. Uh, where Ross Stripling would get his uh, second start of the season. I almost forgot that he did have a start in New York. Uh, and, you know, if he can shake off whatever's been plaguing him for this start to the season, he could really become a more permanent uh, more permanent role in that starting rotation. The, this outing wasn't outstanding, but it was not his worst that we've seen either. Uh, he would go three and a third innings, giving up six hits, walk one, uh, he'd only get one strikeout, uh, and he'd allow two earned runs, but he'd be credited for three total runs. Uh, he did manage to get out of a bases-loaded situation with an inning-ending double play. In the second, however, he would be pulled after getting worked to another bases-loaded situation. The fourth, and, you know, he'd get the bases loaded. He'd face one batter right after that and get the one strikeout of, his, of the game for himself, and then he'd be pulled. So... Hopefully he starts working through some more of uh, whatever funk he's really in. Uh, our lineup, Wade Jr. was at first, and then he moved to left. Uh, Conforto was in right, Davis over at third. Peterson was at DH. Uh, Yastrzemski was in left, and then he moved to center. Estrada was at second. Crawford at short. Sable doing the catching to start, but then Flores, who would come into pinch hit uh, and then move to first base, would take his spot in the batting order. And then Wisely, who was playing center, would be replaced with Ruff, who would come in to pinch hit, and then Bart would come in to do the catching. Wade Jr. went two for four uh, with a run. Conforto was 0 for three with two strikeouts and a walk. Uh, Davis was 0 for three with two strikeouts. Peterson was one for three with a walk and a run and also an RBI. 
Yastrzemski uh, was two for four with an RBI. Uh, Estrada was one for three with a strikeout, a home run, and another run. Uh, Crawford was one for four with a strikeout uh, and a run. Sable was one for two with a strikeout. Uh, and then Flores, who would come in form, was 0 for 2 with a strikeout. Wisely was 0 for 2 with a strikeout and an RBI. Uh, Ruff was 0 for 1 with a strikeout. Uh, so total, 8 for 31, another double-digit strikeout. 10 strikeouts, uh, 2 walks, 5 runs. So let's get into... Uh, the rest of the pitchers, Taylor Rogers would be the first pitcher out of the pen to relieve Stripling, and he would inherit a bases-loaded situation finish the fourth inning, striking out one. Two sack flies were hit off of Rogers, with only one of them resulting in an out due to an error by Conforto, who failed to catch a ball hit to right by Canna. Uh, that would score McNeil. Uh, Taylor's twin, Tyler, would pitch the fifth and sixth innings, striking out four, giving only two hits, one of which was a home run that was about six inches above the strike zone. It was ridiculous. Uh, that home run would be the only run Tyler would allow. Brevia would then come on for the seventh. He'd strike out two and retire the side in order. Uh, Scott Alexander would pitch the eighth, giving up no hits, runs, or walks, and getting three straight ground outs. And then Duvall would come in and finish the game, and this time he would have no Drama. It'd be a drama-free ninth inning for Duvall. He'd be handed a one-run lead thanks to Yaz hitting an RBI double in the bottom of the eighth, miraculously scoring Peterson all the way from first. That man came around third on a mission, and that was probably the funniest slide you're ever going to see. Uh, Duvall would strike out the first two batters, and then a ground out to Crawford would end the game, giving the Giants their first back-to-back -back wins. Giants hitters stranded six on base and hit two for eight with runners in scoring position. Peterson had the only two out RBI of the game for the Giants. Duvall, or excuse me, Davis is the only Giant to ground into a double play. Crawford would steal a base and we returned one double play. We earned two errors, Stripling when he overran a ball that dribbled toward first and Conforto fielding a fly ball in right. Now, real quick while we're talking about those, um, Actually, I will come back to errors later. Got a fun fact on errors to give at the end of the show. Uh, looking at this game, like I said, it kind of went back and forth. Uh, if you look at the scoring plays, first inning, Peterson singles to right. Second inning, Estrada homers. Third inning, Lindor doubles. Fourth inning, Canna hits a sack fly. Fourth inning, Nimmo hits a sack fly. Fourth inning, Sable singles. Fourth inning, wisely grounded to score Sable, or excuse me, to score Crawford. Sixth inning, Alvarez homers. Eighth inning, Yastrzemski doubles. I mean, it went back to back. I mean, we went up first 2 nothing, then they would come back 2-1. Then they'd take the lead in the fourth, 3-2. Then we'd tie it up in the fourth and then go ahead 4-3. Then they'd tie it back up in the sixth. And finally, in the eighth, we'd, we'd manage to get that uh, one run we would need, and it would be all Duvall would need to close out the game for us. So pretty much a nail biter if you were watching it there. Um, it's nice to see that we can go back and forth with a team uh, that has started their season at 14 and nine. So it gives us some hope and some faith that we can have better games down the stretch for sure. Uh First pitch strikes to batter's face. Stripling would get 12 first pitch strikes to 17 batter's face, which is that's, that's good. Uh, Alexander, one to three. Taylor Rogers, two to three. Tyler Rogers, seven to eight. Brebbia, one to three. And Duvall, two to three. Uh, let's go ahead and get into these pitching reports. Ross Stripling would throw 67 pitches, uh, 19 four seamers, 18 changeups, 18 sliders, nine knuckle curves, and three sinkers. Uh, those changeups average 84 and a half. The four seamers average 91.8, almost 92. Knuckle curves 76.4. Those sinkers 91.9. And the sliders 87.2. As far as the movement, um, his knuckle curve had the most drop 
nothing really was going away from righties as far as relative to the center line. Um, but there were some pitches that would come in a little bit to righties. Uh, relatively same release point. Uh, his release point is above six feet. Um, his actual spray across the strike zone, it doesn't look like he favors going in or out when it comes to missing low. A lot of it kind of is does stay relatively top to bottom. Um, nothing like missing too wildly in or out. Uh, he threw 36 pitches in the strike zone. Uh, 31 pitches out of the strike zone. Batters would swing at 26 of his pitches and take 41. It looks like it's a pretty decent distribution between all those different pitches. Um, he would throw 23 balls, 21 strikes, 18 of which were called, uh, three of which were swinging strikes, and 23 of his pitches were made contact with, eight foul tips, eight hits for outs, and seven base hits, and nine hard hits on stripling three ground balls, four line drives, and two fly balls. So he's got a bit of work to do. Um, and like I said, hopefully he can work with our, our training staff and really start figuring things out for himself. Um, yeah. Taylor Rogers would come in for 12 pitches, nine sweepers, two sinkers, and a cutter. Uh, those sweepers are 80.2. Uh, that the, the cutter was like maybe 87 and the, uh, sinkers were like 92, maybe, uh, the movement cutter really didn't have much side to side movement, just a little drop. The sweeper was coming in. The sinker was going out. Uh, you look at the spray chart. Things that would miss down were also in to a righty. Um, six pitches in the zone, six pitches out of the zone. Batters would swing at seven of his pitches and take five. Uh, they took that one cutter. Um, three balls, one of each pitch. Two called strikes, two swinging strikes, three foul tips, and two base hits. Nothing hit hard for him. Uh, his brother would come in and pitch 20 pitches, 12 four seamers, eight sliders. Uh, we know the funky man, 82.3 on his four seamer, 72.1 on the slider. Uh, his slider, um, it's, it's interesting trying to read his, uh, movement chart and this data source says it's all stat cast. This is baseball savant. So, uh, His strike zone, if he missed, so like some of what he missed would be going away from a righty, uh, and then he'd really kind of hit this inside line in between the strike zone and the right-handed batter just a little bit there. And like say one, two, three, four, five, six pitches were right in that little area. Uh, ten pitches in the zone, ten pitches out of the zone. Batters would swing at 12 of his pitches and uh, take eight. They only took one slider. Uh, two balls, both of them four seamers, six called strikes, two swing and strikes, six foul tips, two hits for outs, two base hits. So the two hits for outs, two base hits, that was one slider in each and one four seamer in each. Um, the called strikes, five of them were four seamers. One of them was a slider. And they would foul off four sliders to two four-seamers. And only one hard hit. And that was a fly ball. And that was a home run. Yeah, I missed way up in that, out of the strike zone, but he went up there for it. Uh, Brebia, 14 pitches. Uh, nine sliders, five four-seamers. Four-seamers, 96.1. The sliders, 83.6. The movement with reference to that center line. Sliders, a lot of drop and away from the righties. Four-seamers, not much drop, but would come into a righty. Um, 
looking at the strike zone. It was uh, the sliders that would go down and out from a righty. Uh, he threw seven pitches in the zone, seven pitches out of the zone. Batters would swing at six of his pitches and take eight. That uh, an even distribution between the two pitches. Five balls, six strikes, three of which were called, three were swinging, two foul tips, and one hit for an out. No hard hits for Brevia. Alexander would throw nine pitches, all of which were sinkers, and averaging 92.8 miles an hour. Not a lot of drop. It says about 30 inches of drop, maybe, at the most. And they would be going away from a righty with reference to the center line of where it was released. Um, but he did have quite a few pitches actually into a righty based on this strike zone uh, graphic. Um one pitch would miss away from the uh, righty quite a bit. He threw four pitches in the zone, five pitches out of the zone. Batters would swing at four uh, and take five. Uh, four balls, one called strike, one foul tip, and three hits for outs. Two hard hits. They were ground balls. And then Duvall would come in and throw only nine pitches, four sinkers, three cutters, two sliders. That cutter coming in at 100.3. Sinkers at 97. That sinker had more uh, movement to the right. If it's coming at you, so to the right, coming at you, coming into a righty. Uh, the slider had the most drop. Um, he did miss away from righties. He didn't really miss anything into a righty. Everything was out from a righty. Seven pitches in the strike zone, and then two were out. And like I said, those were way out and away from a righty. The looks like it's one sinker that's way down and out, uh, and then one cutter that was more middle, so probably like right around stomach level, and then out from a righty. Uh, batters would swing at five of his pitches and take four. Uh, two balls. One of those was a slider. One was a cutter. Um, two called strikes. Both of those are sinkers. Two swinging strikes. One uh, cutter, one slider. Two foul tips, a sinker and a cutter, and one hit for an out, a sinker. And that was a ground ball. And then our ump behind the plate, Roberto Ortiz. 93% overall accuracy called 143 of 154 taking pitches correctly. Overall consistency, 91%. Uh, overall favor, plus 0.73 runs for San Francisco. Impactful missed calls. Top of the second, stripling to Alvarez. One out, base is loaded. Two, one count. A ball is called a strike. Oh, dear Lord. That's three straight games where the three top impactful missed calls which they define as the largest changes in run expectancy, were all ball-called strikes. So top of the second, stripping Alvarez, one out, bases loaded, 2-1 count, ball called a strike. Bottom of the first, Miguel to Conforto, no outs, runner on first, 1-0 count, ball is called a strike. Top of the fourth, stripling to Alvarez, no outs, bases loaded, 0-0 count, ball is called a strike. Now that's pretty interesting. Uh, called ball accuracy, 96%. Four of 98 called balls are true strikes. Called strike accuracy, 88%. Seven of 56 called strikes are true balls. So, now let me get back to what I wanted to say on errors real quick before I fully sum up everything. I was reading an article, uh, and the athletic, I believe it was by Andrew Baggerly, and he pointed this out, that if you ignore the errors made by pitchers, catchers, and Brandon Crawford, the Giants' error count is five. So that means five errors that the rest of the defense are responsible for. Brandon Crawford has four errors this year. Catchers have three for catchers' interference, and pitchers... Um, are responsible for five. So if, you know, you include Crawford's, that's nine, that's still like 
you don't want to see an error game, but we were worse last year. So this four-game series puts us at 8-13. and 13. That's still good for fourth in the West, ahead of only Colorado, who has a record of 6-17. and 17. Uh, That's three games out from first, by the way. Arizona and uh, the Dodgers are tied at 12-11 and 11 apiece. Uh, we finally won two games in a row. Look at that. There's a streak. You like to see that, don't you? Uh, our batting lineups are now 171 for 725 uh, with 33 home runs. That's still good for second in the West. Uh, 226 strikeouts now. That's still good for dead last in the NL. Um, by the way, those home runs, for some reason, I'm hearing myself saying it was still good for second in the NL West. It's still good for second in the NL total. Uh, we've drawn 73 walks. That's good for ninth in the NL. We've stolen 11 bases. Uh, that's 11th in the NL. We've been caught stealing three times, which is third. Uh, our team is slashing 236, 317, 412, which is a drop from the last episode, again, for all of those, with an OPS of 730. Uh, that's all good for 12th, 9th, 8th, and 9th in the NF, NL, respectively. Pitching staff has a combined ERA of 4.44 at this point, giving up 193 hits and being credited with 93 earned runs, 109 total runs. Uh, pitchers have given up 29 home runs, which is 12th in the NL. They have walked 54, uh, which is good enough to lead the NL. Um, pitchers have struck out 199, which is 5th in the NL they are seventh in earned runs and 10th in hits and 10th in ERA pitching staff's FIP is 4.22 and whip is 1.309 Sean Jelly now has the highest whip at 1.909 Taylor Rogers who had the highest last episode he's dropped from that 2.357 to 1.737 so that's pretty cool to see him improve the highest FIP still does belong to Taylor Rogers though it has dropped from 9.49 or it's dropped to 9.49 from the 12.11 that it was before, and it was almost 16 the episode before that. Hits per nine is now Tristan Beck at 15.2, uh, who had just made his MLB debut. Uh, another thing, we've we've got up a lot of home runs this season so far. I mean, we're only uh, 21 games in, and our pitching staff has given up 29 home runs Uh and I read another, there's another athletic article talking about that. And we can either just be down and out about it. I mean, we were one of the best pitching staffs at keeping the ball in the park the last couple of years. But if you dig deeper into that, we were only average at um, reigning in those home runs and other parks. We were better at it in our own park. They're better at keeping that ball in the park at Oracle. Um, and so you look at some of the other teams that have given up home runs and they're, there are teams that are at the top right now and win percentage that have given up a lot of home runs as well. And you look at other giants teams that have given up a lot of home runs to start the season. And if I'm remembering this right, there was the 2000 season where we would end up being at the top of the NL West, I believe. So that to say, we still have a lot ahead of us. And hopefully after this split with the Mets, we can go in and take on a struggling Cardinals and start to turn our things around, turn ourselves around. Um, we should be getting Slater and Hanniger back this week. So that should help us out against lefties. Uh, but, you know, the short schedule's not getting much easier. We got four against the Cardinals. We got two against the Padres. And we go to Houston for three. And then we come back to San Francisco and play the Brewers for three. And then the Nationals for three. After the Nationals, it's the Diamondbacks in Arizona for four. So that's when it kind of gets a little rough again. But hopefully that little three game national series in San Francisco will give us a couple games to pad ourselves because they have not been good this year, but we'll see what happens again. This is 
baseball, anything can happen. I hope for the best, prepare for the worst, right? Uh, once again, I want to thank everybody for listening. I really do appreciate it. If you have any comments, pointers, tips, corrections, whatever, just let me know in any comments or reach out to me in some way. I truly appreciate any and all feedback. Um, as I've said in each episode and as I proved in the beginning of this one, I'm, I'm trying to learn as much as I can while I do this. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to do my best to make the corrections after. And I'm just trying to give the best product that I can. All the sources for this episode today, Baseball Savant, uh, ESPN, uh, the Ump Scorecards, uh, and then, of course, articles that I read in NBC Sports Bay Area by Alex Pavlovich and The Athletic by Grant Brisby and Andrew Bagley. So that's it for this episode. I'll see you again after our four-game stint against the Cardinals. Peace.